everybody, and welcome to Speaking of Sustainability, the show where we introduce you to the leaders and change agents making a difference in the sustainability space. I'm your host, Colleen Felicki. After starting my composting business in 2017, I quickly realized that our communities are looking for more ways to be sustainable in their daily lives and to support eco-friendly businesses. I'm so excited to introduce you to some sustainable superheroes as we all look to make our planet a better place for years to come. I always say this, but I love that music. <laughs> Gets me pumped up. Good morning. Well, uh, welcome to Speaking of Sustainability. Um, I'm your host, Colleen Felicki. And at the beginning of um, each show, we talk about something that's super important um, that everyone should know. And um, today we're talking about plastic. Uh, more than 400 million tons of plastic waste are produced by brands each year from packaging, um, fashion and, com and consumer goods are the key culprits. So uh, I just want you to think about that um, today and going forward, how can we change that? How can we as consumers take a look at uh, the companies that you're purchasing from and their packaging and their sustainable um, policies and um, purchase items that you know use less plastic locally sourced and made? So um, that's my, my uh, tip for today after, after uh, seeing that that's how much plastic we, we, uh, we waste. So um, I'm super excited today to introduce you to uh, my guest. Um, he, is, uh, he is a leader and change agent in our community and beyond. Um, he is uh, someone who I think uh, you will love and uh he i wish we had more time i was we I wish we had more time to talk to him i wish i had more time to talk to him about this um so his name is andrew convoy and i'm super excited to introduce you to him and i hope that uh you will uh listen intently thank you andrew for being here thank you colleen i'm excited to be here and i'm a, a big fan of your back to earth compost crew and all you do in the community so i'm excited to chat with you for a little Awesome. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, well, so I have so many questions for you, <laughs> but we'll, we'll try to keep it, uh, try to keep it short, but tell me a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in ecological restoration, you know, native trees and plants and uh, lawn reduction. Yeah, sure. So I guess I first became interested in environmental issues in middle school. I had a, a really great middle school teacher who um, was the first one to teach me about climate change and all the ways that humans are negatively impacting our environment. And from there, I just was always interested in learning more. So I eventually went to um, college and majored in environmental science and was always interested in environmental issues and doing what I can to try to eradicate them or make them better if I, if possible. Um, but um, I guess as, as I went into graduate school, I, I went a slightly different path and, and went, um, studied evolutionary biology. Um, but it was during that time that I really discovered my passion for plants. And when it, I started volunteering more with um, ecological restoration groups and volunteer groups in my area. And I, I realized that like, it clicked for me that 
native plants and native trees and restoring nature and um, ecosystems can fight so many of these environmental issues that I care so deeply about um, climate change and the biodiversity crisis and air pollution, water pollution, so many things at once um, mm -hmm. can be uh, made better with, with restoring native ecosystems. And it kind of just got rolling from there. And um, I just love learning more about it and, and sharing whatever I learn with, um, with whoever will listen. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you do share a lot. And I will say, um, that's how I came to learn about your, I guess, alter ego, <laughs> Andrew the Arborist. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, how did that come about? Yeah, so I've, I've always had a, a, a hobby in video making and video creation. Um, I guess when I was growing up in middle school and high school, I had a, a YouTube gaming channel. So I was making videos about video games that I was playing. But as my interest changed and evolved, I guess, um, I, I wanted to make content about uh, ecological restoration or ways that humans or, you know, we can, how we can help our environment in our daily lives. And so I, I started um, making videos about environmental topics or environmental education and trees and plants and anything that I really found interesting, I try to um, share with folks online. So I, I make videos and, and put them on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram as well. So yeah, I think you're, it's you're very goal. humble. You're very humble. Well, you, have lot, you have a lot of followers. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's been great. I'm I'm happy and, and pleasantly surprised with how many people are are interested and um, the the amount of I guess the reception that I've I've gotten mm -hmm. on the videos. It's it's awesome to reach so many people and to help. You know, even if ten percent of the people make a change or even less, right. you're still, we're still affecting and making a positive in, impact. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you telling these people who are out, they're telling their friends and family and, you know, community members and neighbors. So um, have you had any stories from any of the folks that follow you about, you know, how they've implemented something differently or done something made a change because of what they've seen? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I get messages uh, somewhat frequently about um, maybe instead of planting this non-native tree, they planted a native oak tree because they saw a video about how important oak trees are or, um, you know, just making a better decision with with native land, native plants instead of, I guess, non-native or um, the more common like box store plants. Um but yeah, I think there's there's okay. been a good amount of messages along the way, which is always it's always fun to help to help people and, and see the difference. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I know you've made an impact on me. Like I, when I think about what we're planning at home, I I think first like how will is you know is it a native plant? Is it a perennial? Like how will it affect the? Uh, will we get bees? You know, um, and then also like what. Do we do at the end of its life cycle, keeping it around and, you know, in the wintertime because the, the um, bees and, you know, need, they need somewhere to go or the, um, mm -hmm. the insects need somewhere to be. So. Totally. That, yeah. That's great to hear. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm still learning. So, and I appreciate all of the content that you put out there. So it's super useful. Um, what you. do you want people to know about the work that you do? Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I try to portray is that everyone 
and anyone can make a difference in their yard or in their community. Um, if they want to plant a native plant in their yard, even if it's one plant in a pot on your balcony or on your front porch, you can make a difference. You can attract pollinators. You can help pollinators even with one plant. Or if you have more space, you can plant you know, a big oak tree or something that, that can help more. But even if you have no nowhere to plant anything, you can remove invasive plants from your community, from your parks. You can try to get involved involved with um, volunteer groups in your area that do this kind of work in, in your parks and natural areas. And you can pick up litter or just clean up your community and try to make a difference that way. But I think um, that's the biggest thing is that I, I think everyone everyone can make a difference. And for me personally, I always talk about how this type of work helps me at least with with my like climate and eco anxiety. And like you see all this bad news about environmental issues and natural disasters from that are made worse by climate change and all these different things that could have you feeling really sad all the time. And sometimes that that gets me. But this kind of work helps helps um, definitely helps my anxieties a little bit. And I think it, it makes you feel better when you do this type of stuff. So I encourage people to, to do what they can. I'm right there with you. You know, taking action simply helps the eco anxiety. Totally, um, well, yeah. You know, you know, you feel like the weight of the, or I know I do like the weight of the, the world is like, we, we have to do something. And then mm -hmm. just, just taking the action to do something personally make, makes me feel better. Um, Definitely. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're, um, Tell me a little bit about like what your organization does as far as um, volunteers and the activities that are happening. Yeah, sure. We um, so I started uh, a nonprofit ecological restoration group in the Plymouth Meeting and White Marsh, Conshohocken, Narstown area, and we I originally. Um, volunteered a lot with like Philly Parks and Rec and Fairmount Park Conservancy and groups who were doing similar things in uh, in the city and in the, the suburbs. And I wanted to bring that kind of work back to where I grew up in the Plymouth Meeting area. So I founded Colonial Canopy Trees. And um, so it's kind of evolved over time. We, we've worked with closely with the municipalities, um, the townships themselves, and we've worked together to plant trees, a lot of trees in public parks, which is great. Um, and we've also uh, just worked with a lot of folks in the community. We have about 25-ish uh, volunteer events each year, um, roughly half in the spring and fall, and a few over the winter. Um, and we just focus on removing um, invasive species or invasive plants that are threatening um, our ecosystems in our in our parks around the area. And we also, um, we focus on native plant restoration, so planting native trees. But a big part of, of what we do is uh, education as well. So we try to teach folks that they can bring, um, take this knowledge and bring it back to their property where they can do the same thing, you know, remove the harmful invasives and replace them with native valuable, um, ecologically valuable plants. And um, it's it's been great. I I'm never thought it would kind of turn into what it is now. I just, it just started out kind of, um, I was growing a bunch of trees in nursery pots and eventually I had too many of them and was looking for a spot to plant some. So um, I 
posted on Facebook and it just kind of kept That's rolling. Great. But um, yeah, it's it's been great. And like I said, it's super fulfilling work for me. So I really enjoy it. That's awesome. And you're doing such great work in the community as someone who's been a volunteer and see, you know, have seen firsthand what you're doing. Um, what would you say to someone who maybe doesn't have an organization like yours where they live, but wants to do something like this? Do you, do you have any advice? Yeah. Um, that's, uh, a tough one. I mean, if there's, I usually recommend that they, um, try to find an environmentally mm -hmm. focused group, but yeah, if there's, if there's not one in the area, then, um, perhaps if they feel comfortable, they can try to start or hold, hold an event on their own. If they know like how to identify one particular in invasive, for example, they could focus on removing that um, and try to get some community involvement and maybe get a few volunteers out or even just hosting a litter cleanup. Mm -hmm. um, maybe try to get those um, connections going and, and see what it could, what, what it could turn into. But um yeah, I, I, I think if there are organizations in your area, it's definitely a great place to start because you're usually working with folks who do this professionally or um, who have a lot of knowledge about natural areas and it's a great place to learn. So I, I always recommend, yeah. Good to know, good to know. And any call to actions that you would like to share uh, with our audience? Yeah. Um, we have recently just uploaded our upcoming events for the fall. Um, and if you're in the Plymouth meeting or White Marsh areas, we have a lot of upcoming volunteer events um, all throughout the area. And I'd, I'd love to see um, folks join if they can to help um, plant trees or remove invasives. And yeah, it's always, it's, it's always fun to, um, plant a tree in your community or or do work in your community and then you can drive by or visit that site later and watch your tree grow and stuff like that. I think that's always fun. For sure. And um, also, so that's Colonial at Colonial Canopy Trees. And then also Andrew the Arborist. Um, make sure that you follow Andrew the Arborist on Instagram. You said TikTok as well? Yeah, TikTok and um, YouTube as well. Okay. Instagram. TikTok and YouTube, Andrew the Arborist. Um, all right, before we get out of here, I just want to uh, to our to do our breakdown. We're at the breakdown portion of our show, and uh, that's kind of where we discuss a um, a misnomer. You know, when it comes to if you could just talk to us a little bit about you know, say the biggest misnomer when it comes to um, native plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's a that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of um, a misnomer. Um, I, I think it, uh, well, a popular idea is that, um, it's not, I guess it's not really a misnomer, but a lot of folks, um, I don't know. I mean, some, some folks say that, um, non-native plants are, are not, not that bad and, um, they have their benefits and certainly, um, you know, all plants provide some sort of environmental benefit. They sequester carbon, they reduce pollution, they hold the soil in place, but native plants are certainly um, superior to the non-native ones whenever possible because they also provide all of those benefits, but they 
help our wildlife as well. And they help the ecosystem function, which, um, which provides more of those ecological benefits. So um, planting, I guess, yeah, just planting native wherever you can. Um, and it doesn't have to be a 100% native landscape. You can still plant non-native plants if you really want them. Um, just don't plant anything invasive that can spread outside of your landscape, but non-native plants are okay um, in, in moderation. And as long as you have mostly native plants, you're going to have a lot of insects and a lot of good things being attracted to your, your landscape. And that's what we're trying to do um, in terms of restoring the ecosystem. Fantastic. Uh, do you have any particular like native plants that you recommend the most or is it does it depend on i guess where you live specifically yeah um i always i always recommend first um if you have the space for an oak tree to plant an oak tree a native oak to your area because um throughout most of the continental us um, oak trees are the the best for wildlife they support the most amount of insects which supports the most amount of birds and up the food chain but if you don't have um, space to plant a big oak tree, then I would recommend um, starting with um, a reliable and deer resistant perennial native plant, uh, mm -hmm. such as milkweed. Mm -hmm. I always recommend milkweed as a, a great uh, native plant beginner gardener plant, because like I said, deer usually don't eat any of the milkweeds because they're toxic, um, toxic to them. But milkweeds are generally really great pollinator plants. So when they're in bloom, you'll see a lot of pollinators and butterflies and bees. And they also support the monarch butterfly, which um, has been on a, a steep decline uh, in terms of population numbers in recent years. So that's unfortunate. And um, you'll attract monarch butterflies. And it's just a great way to um, get into native plant gardening, I think, because you'll see results almost instantly and they're easy plants to grow in most situations. And if you have, I guess it, it varies on where you live, but there's native milkweeds all over the US. So make sure they're native to your area. But for our area, I recommend swamp milkweed if your soil is moist or wet. Um, common milkweed in just like regular um, average soils and mm -hmm. butterfly milkweed as well with the average soils, but that can also take poor dry soil. So like I plant a lot of butterfly milkweed along the strip in front of my house because it's poor soils there and they do just fine. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of options and That's it makes great. you feel good. Great information. And to get those, um, is there a certain nursery or can you, you know, order online or what do you recommend? Yeah, we we're lucky um, in our area. We we're surrounded by a lot of really cool garden, um, public gardens and arboreta. And a lot of them have um, a native plant sale. So I, I buy a lot of native plants at the Schuylkill Center for Environmental Education in Philadelphia, um, kind of just past the Roxboro area. Um, I also go to Jenkins Arboretum. They have a really extensive selection of native plants. And um, there are certainly places you can buy online um, that, that kind of sell um, local ecotype um, to Pennsylvania. So um, I sometimes order from Bloombox and as well from, um, what's that one? Prairie, Prairie Moon Nursery. So nice. there's, there's a lot of uh, places where you can get 
these native plants um, around. Fantastic. Taking notes over here. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, this is this has been wonderful. I'm I'm so glad that you're able to share this information uh, with our listeners and viewers. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I hope it was helpful to some folks and thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of Speaking of Sustainability. Please follow and support our guests as we encourage you to continue doing your part to make a difference in our global community. And don't forget to rate, like, and share. See you next time.